Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 122. Welcome. Hey, yeah. Why did I sound like I'm selling some cars? I don't know, but 122 sounds good to me. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take 122 of them. Let me show you and how I... here's photog adventures. It's Johnny Carson. Exactly. So, welcome to the show, and... No, that's a terrible voice. I don't no, don't ever do that ever again. again. Sure, everybody that has not listening to me agrees, don't ever do that again. <laughs> welcome, guys, back to the Photog Adventures podcast. I hope you are still listening to the Aaron Bomnick podcast, because guess what? There's mm. something you missed. Go back, mm? listen again. There's something you missed, guaranteed. Yeah, probably. <laughs> There's so much good stuff in there, especially you patrons, mm-hmm. which we are featuring your content today. Uh, you patrons have had some fantastic, just killer composition process of taking the image mm-hmm. and behind the scenes information from Aaron Bobnick. That was just an awesome episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so before we go any further, let's go ahead and take all this time for our features today and someone we want to give a big old shout out to right after the beginning of this episode at Mark. Jeff Anderson's image of the waterfall. Just amazing. I mean, I grew up in the desert, so I'm instantly attracted to stuff like waterfalls in the dense forest. Right. With that forest, misty morning rain, and oh my gosh, just just amazing. So that was audio from Brendan and I just last Wednesday? Was it Wednesday or Thursday? One of those yeah. days, we did a live over Facebook where we featured our patron photographers. So every month we want to feature our patrons' images, and we do that on our Facebook live um, video. And what we do is we have the patrons submit images, and sometimes they're um, usually a category of... Uh, they're always on some theme. Some sub, some theme or subject, right? So this, this January... Um, month starting out the year, we did. We wanted your favorite images from 2018. Best of 2018. We got a lot of submissions, mm-hmm. and the winner comes from Little Jeff. Jeff Anderson. <laughs> little Jeff Anderson. Yep. We know Jeff Peterson, and then there's Little Jeff Anderson. <laughs> we would say Old Jeff and Young Jeff, but that's just not nice. No. Is it not nice? I don't know. Right now, Jeff is listening to this episode as he's heading <laughs> off to Africa, so I'm not sure he's going to have anything that could ruin his mood. But the funny thing is they're both with us in Oregon, and they're both firefighters, or Jeff Peterson's retired firefighter, and so it's kind of funny. It's like, they're both Jeffs, yeah. they're both firefighters. Like, how are we going to distinguish these two? <laughs> so it was pretty funny. little inside joke there. And little Jeff delivered an image that you guys Ooh, can see yeah. in the show notes over on photogadventures.com forward slash EP122. And you're going to see this image that Jeff made. It has has National Geographic texture to the host mm, processing. I love mm-hmm. the feel of it, the atmosphere. We talked about it on Monday Moment of Envy mm-hmm. over on our Facebook. Mm-hmm. Every Monday at 1 p.m., I do a live with Photog Adventures Facebook page doing a Monday Moment of Envy where we talk about an image that we just freaking love. We're envious of. We talk about the strengths of this image and what makes it so great. Yeah. And I go over for 20 minutes Jeff's image. Nice. And it it's just a really great image, Jeff. Fantastic capture. Yeah. Oh, Jeff yeah. joined us from the Oregon coast because there was actual snow on the Oregon coast. 
So he was out there by Cannon Beach and checking things out. And from his phone, he joined us for the live and was commenting. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder what that's like with snow. That's really interesting. I know. The snow in Oregon is completely rare. When we drive up and down the coast, we talk to Kirk. Like, how often does it snow here? Like, never. Right. Never snows. Yeah. Like Phoenix. Like, yeah. No. It just has that all the stuff in the air, the temperature change. It just never really gets cold enough. Mm-hmm. And then having the moisture at the right time, it just hasn't worked. So hasn't it must happened. have been from this Arctic vortex thing that happened yeah. last week, right? Interesting. And it's been wow. really warm for us here in Utah and in yeah. Oregon, while yeah. everyone in Chicago has been having a miserable time right. and the East Coast. And so, man, I, I don't hmm. know what he captured. I haven't checked his Instagram yet to see um, what he put up there. But man, hopefully something cool. to have snow on the sea stacks. Could that be possible? Oh, my gosh. That would be a winter shot worth submitting. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Okay, Jeff. I told gotta... Jeff that he might be repeating as champion. <laughs> oh, man. That would be cool. <laughs> Holy cow. So okay, if you want to wow. see this image, too, another place you can find it is on our Photog Adventures Facebook page. The Photog Adventures group, we're putting it up as an announcement, and we're post, we posted it as an image on our homepage of photogadventures.com mm-hmm. to celebrate Jeff. If you want to follow him and his work, go to his Instagram. It is upper left underscore Jeff. So upper left, all one word, underscore Jeff, J-E-F-F. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that link in the description down below. Follow his Instagram. He's got great work. This is just... <laughs> I'm jealous. Yeah. I wish I had taken this shot. Yeah, it's waterfalls awesome. in the gorge, beautiful, beautiful. So this episode is a special episode where we are going to feature the highlights, the best of, with our patron episodes. If you guys haven't been following along, on Mondays, we have a patron-only episode that we give them an interview. It's a Monday interview episode, basically. Mm -hmm. So far, we've had 12. Wayne Pinkston, Milky Way Mike, Alan Wallace, Matt Newman, Elise Bender, Alan Dyer, Gavin Hardcastle, Matt Payne, Michael Binsky, Joshua Cripps, Enrico Fossati, and Aaron Bobnick. Wow. And if you guys don't know anybody on those lists, you need to look them up. <laughs> right. <laughs> because you should know at least one or two of these heavy hitter, solid players in the photography world. And we had some fantastic stories from these guys. Oh my gosh, like yeah. Really Amazing funny, stuff. really inspiring. And so we're going to feature five of them today. And I have picked biasly five of them <laughs> out of the list. Enrico Fossati, Gavin Hardcastle, Matt Payne, Joshua Cripps, and Alan Wallace. Some of these stories are hilarious. And just nuts. So get I'm prepared. Excited, yeah. It's going to be a longer episode, but Sweet. sit back and enjoy. Like that. Oh, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. And you get to hear from a whole new different photographer each time. So it's going to be a fast-paced episode. Nice. Just here, and I hanging out with these guys. It's going to get some fantastic, awesome, hilarious stories from these guys, whether they're inspiring, whether they're crazy stories where you get on freaking <laughs> ponies and go through Mongolia, <laughs> yes. or hilarious near-death experiences and mm. hilariously funny, awkward situations. So right. let's take our first break of the podcast and come back with a hilarious awkward situation from alan wallace have you guys been thinking about milky way photography and coming out with us on a workshop because Mm -hmm. we have almost sold out across the room from us right now you can see that we have our southern utah workshop we have the escalante workshop then the crater lake workshop then escalante for two nights oregon coast for two days Oh, oh, actually, it's two nights each. Oh, I think I skipped the other Southern Utah workshop. All these workshops, that Southern Utah workshop that's coming up in April is sold out almost. Yes. It has two, maybe two spots left. And so if you're interested in joining us in Southern Utah, Goblin Valley, Natural Bridges National Monument, Goosenecks, and see some beautiful Southern Utah sites, on top of that, some extra bonus locations that we take you to, on top of Escalante, amazing Grand Staircase, Mm -hmm. Escalante National Monument area, Crater Lake, beautiful panorama, there's really good opportunities for Milky Way this year. Oh, yeah. Join us. Check it out. Photogadventures.com forward slash workshop. And find out which date works for you and get it scheduled now. All right. That's photogadventures.com forward slash workshop. 
this was a few years ago when I saw, you know, Mark Gee, the mm-hmm. uh, is he from New Zealand? I think the astrophotographer is really famous for these long distance moon videos. Yeah, Mark oh, Gee's yeah. Aussie. Yeah, yeah he's a fan amazing. of ours. Yeah, oh, we're a fan of his. Uh, and we're so friends. I, I, <laughs> I picked up a Sigma one fifty, the six hundred. Oh yeah, yeah. Lens, and um, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I want to try this, and so I, I kind of um, threw the idea to my yoga instructor at the time who I knew for like three weeks she was like one of these happy-go-lucky girls she was like yeah cool let's do it <laughs> I was like okay do you, you mind hiking like to the top of the mountain she's like yeah it's fine that's cool when can we do it and I was like well next time it's full moon and clear skies I'll let you know and it was a few months later we had the opportunity and I gave her a ring and she was like yeah cool come pick me up so I picked her up and I dropped her at the bottom of the mountain and um, she's in like yoga attire you know the thin tights and a thin fleece and most people take about 45 to 50 minutes to get to the top of this mountain she got up there in like 20 minutes and she called me and she was like okay i'm ready <laughs> oh man <laughs> so and i was like well i can't like i'm not bruce almighty i can't just like move the moon <laughs> and stick it behind you when i want like you're gonna have to wait there for like an hour and she was like oh there's a lot of snow up here. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh. Didn't think this one through. <laughs> Run around in circles. She's like, don't worry. Don't. <laughs> Stay warm. Go back down. Come back up. So she was like, don't worry. I'll just do some star jumps or something. I'll try and keep warm. And so <laughs> I'm like trudging around this marshland and I'm trying to get into this. Like, So I'm using photo pills to get like the precise mm. position that I need to be in. Yeah. And... Um, just about there, I'm like, I mean, this really like sludgy, marshlandy, swampy grass kind of stuff. Huh. So my 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 toes are just completely numb. I'm already just very depressed, <laughs> hated myself. <laughs> and um, I didn't have anything to focus on because it was pitch black and the moon hasn't popped up yet. And I'm like, what do I do? Yeah, no kidding. And, like the phone signal keeps going because we're in like the middle of nowhere, so we're struggling to make contact. I can't see her. I don't know where she is. Oh my gosh! And then, <laughs> yeah, just just as we made phone contact, the moon started popping up from the, the the edge of the mountain and I'm like oh my god and I just started freaking out like I just absolutely turned into a werewolf like this full moon's coming up and I'm just like, ah! <laughs> and like I'm like trying to grab focus and like the, this land is so marshy like the tripod's shaking I can't see the moon and then I'm like where the hell are you I'm like shouting at this poor girl and she's like well I'm on top of the mountain I'm like well shine a light I can't see you <laughs> And she shines a light, and I'm like, come here, come here. And she's, like, moving over. I finally get her in the frame. Oh. And I'm just, like, dude, like, really, like, like normally astrophotography is really calming, and I go out, and I get de-stressed, <laughs> and it's therapeutic. Have a nice but I'm just, experience, like, right? yeah. <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm in the middle of this field, like, go left, move left, like, just, like, shouting like at this poor girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, as I'm doing this about... 100 meters away from me this big red flare just goes and there's I've got this massive red flare just shining in the corner of my eye uh-huh. and I can hear some guy shouting and I'm just like so focused on the task at hand I'm just like I'm just a photographer it's okay like as if that explains anything <laughs> I'm <laughs> just a photographer <laughs> I don't need saving get out of here <laughs> photographer card right there Man, and like I, <laughs> and I'm like just focusing on the task just like stay focused and uh 
she's like we basically had this plan to do i think it's called a king dancer's pose where like they pull the leg over the back up to the top oh of the yeah, yeah 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 they're, they're incredible. stand on one leg and she like she goes to do it and obviously um, she's really cold and her muscles are just not stretching and she just can't do it and I, i'm watching this through like the viewfinder at 1200 mil <laughs> literally watching the moon move across my frame and i'm just like oh my god we've got about 10 seconds to do this and like <laughs> she's like, <laughs> and she starts like she takes off her jumper and then she takes off her shoes and i'm just like i'd like i feel like the most long distance pervert in the world right now <laughs> and she finally does it and she pulls her leg up and like just before the moon kind of moves from behind her we we got the well, not really a shot. It was a video, and I took a still out of the video frame, mm-hmm. and that was it. And I was like, "Oh my god, did it happen? Did I get it?" And like, everything's just really like, "Oh my god, what just happened?" And then the um, the the guy with the red flare comes over, and he's like, "What the hell are you doing?" And I just sort of explained like, and re- I realized this guy's dressed in like full army attire. Oh wow! <laughs> and um, yeah, he's like, um, "I need to show you something," and he took me over to where he lit the flare. And there's like loads of tents about, and there's about ten, eight to ten guys standing to attention, holding like fake guns, oh. <laughs> just standing there to attention. And he's like, he looks to me and he says, "These guys were all nicely wrapped up, warm in bed ten minutes ago. <laughs> then you started running around the field, shouting, move back, move back.' So they all thought <laughs> they all thought that you were a drill sergeant." Playing like an unexpected training session on them. These guys are like the SAS. These are like the the British Navy SEALs. You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. He's like, I think you better oh, apologize. Wow. I was like, oh my god, man, I've never bit my own finger so hard. I was like, oh. like eight of them. Wow. I said, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. And then I took a grill in. And, uh, <laughs> How do you explain to them? Like, no, no, I was instructing the girl on the top of the mountain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one who's dead What now. the hell have you been smoking, man? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so that was Alan Wallace. If you guys want to follow Alan Wallace, he has a great YouTube channel. You can easily find his YouTube channel by typing in Alan Wallace as long as you spell it right. It's A-L-Y-N. A-L-Y-N, Alan Wallace, you'll find it. Awesome Milky Way stuff, really good guy. And you can check out his photography at alanwallacephotography.com. Now for more awesome accents, let's go straight into a story from Gavin Hardcastle. Some of the stupid things that I've done to get good (laughs) pictures, you know. um, Risking your life on a regular basis without really making a conscious decision to risk Mm, your life, but realizing too late, oh, I messed up this, I might not walk away from this, you know. And this, the stupidest thing I've ever done, and I, I regularly, almost three times a week, do something very, very stupid <laughs> in photography. Uh, but the stupidest thing I ever did was in Northern Ireland at the Dark Hedges. You probably know about that place, right? The it's Dark a familiar Hedges. name, yeah, but I'm sounds... not picturing it right now. What is it the one cool trail that goes through those trees that's in Game of Thrones? Yeah. Okay. okay. It's That's exactly what it is. It's that very yeah. famous road that has this... Canopy of gnarly beech trees that are spectacular, and they catch the morning light and they catch the the afternoon light, Mm. and it's a gorgeous spot. And um, I got there, I think it was October 2016, and I'd never been before. Showed up, I think, in the afternoon, and it it was crawling with tourists. It was just, Mm. it was like Mesa Arch times 10. And I thought, it's going to be like this tomorrow morning as well. I, I just knew it would be. So I thought, well, what can I do? How can I get something different? 
And I thought, I'll come back at night. I'll be the only guy here. I'll do some night photography and I'll light these trees with a with a torch <laughs> flashlight in America mm -hmm. and uh, I'll get a killer shot. Well, I did get a killer shot, but I almost died getting it. <laughs> How did you almost so, die? What was I went happening? back a few hours later. I think it was about 10 o'clock at night when I got when I went back there. It's totally dark. Okay. And I was the only person around and there, there was a few cars that were kind of coming and going, but I, I you know, as as the evening wore on, the cars got less and less and I was right. I was refining this composition, and so the, so the composition was obviously the you know the classic shot of the beech trees. But I thought I'll put myself in the middle of the frame as as a model slash light source. So like I wanted this light source because it was a nighttime image. Right. You know where's the where's the light coming from that paints these trees? Well, it's it's coming from this guy who's standing in the middle of the road, which was me. <laughs> and so I set my camera up on the tripod. I put it on a thirty second exposure but I put it on like a 10 second timer. So I had enough time to right, run out to into the, the spot, yeah, yeah. click yeah. the head and then stand real, really still, you know, try and do the long exposure. And then I'd listen to the camera click and then I'd run back and I'd, I'd check the shot. And so it was like a process of refinement. You know, right, so each right. time you take a shot, it's like, oh yeah, I need to stand a little bit more to the right and a bit forward. So you get better at the, the positioning until the composition is just getting better and better and better. So I got through, I don't know, maybe 10 frames of this. And it was, I was almost there. I thought, I know exactly where I need to be. I'll do this one last shot. And just as I heard the shutter open, you know, I'd done my 10 second sprint and I stood in position. I've just got the flashlight on and I could hear this car Whoa. and it was coming fast. Cause it's and I could no hear one. like... <laughs> No one around. He, this guy's thinking, oh, I've got this road all to myself. I'm going right. to nail it exactly. down this road. So oh. all I can hear is just... <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'll give it a little bit longer. But I wanted to get this shot, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. But there's, there's a car accelerating towards my tripod in the middle of the road at breakneck speed. And, I, and I, it got to a point where I thought, Okay, I, I, you know, I forget the shot, and I started running back. So I'm running towards this car. So the car is speeding up the road. I'm running at a full sprint. You're trying to beat it to your tripod. Head on. <laughs> yeah, and there's a tripod in the middle with a camera on it, and I'm, I'm flashing my, my light as I'm, as I'm running at this guy. I'm running towards death, right? And uh, I've made the decision. It's like, okay, well, the camera's gone. I'm not going to... I'm not going to try yeah. and rescue the camera. So as he as he's coming, if when it comes to the moment, I'm going to jump left. I'm going to dive left. That, I've made that decision, and uh, just before you know, I'd kind of put my right foot down to stamp down and push off. And just before I took that that leap, he saw me, and he slammed on his brakes and he skidded to a halt <laughs> inches, Whoa. inches from that oh, tripod. My Gosh. And there was like a, a pause. There was like a moment of, uh, you know, <laughs> complete silence where I was just standing there looking at this guy and he's looking at me and then he just blasted his horn and, you know, obviously he was, he was annoyed because yeah. I was an idiot, you know. Yeah. And, it, and then he peeled out of there with this massive skid and I was like, oh, God, what an idiot. It wasn't... Well, it's a good shot, but it wasn't worth dying. <laughs> no, or losing your camera for. Right, oh, right. Oh, man. No. How many times did you put your camera tripod in a road and thought, I don't, I hope no one comes by. 
and you worry about that and he's hearing oh, it happening yeah a couple of times actually just recently in the fall <laughs> colors i was like doing that in the doing middle of the road exactly and I just, like, i'm just listening for the I'm just like okay run out <laughs> not get hit yeah oh yeah. man the thought yeah. that would go through my mind about okay can I get to the tripod first and then can I dive the direction oh that gosh. he doesn't swerve? Right. Oh gosh, yeah. Gavin, that's freaking nuts. It's like this it's like this series of logic. It's like, okay, <laughs> right. uh, ca- camera first. Oh no, okay, the camera's done. Forget that. Okay, li- life next. Uh, which direction should I dive so that <laughs> that's I don't 50, get That's 50/50 choice. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have that Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes moment where everything <laughs> slows down and you calculated all of the scenarios out in your mind? Well, it, it kind of is. You you kind of reach a point of resignation where you think, "Oh, well this is it. This is how I go out." It's not that <laughs> that's how it ends. At least Kevin you know? died it's... doing what he loved, shooting night photography yeah. at the dark Running edges. Running towards cars. <laughs> It's kind of a it's kind of a cool cool way to go, I guess. I'd rather go that way than than some horrible illness, you know. You'd be mm. all over Petapixel with that story. You'd be so famous. <laughs> <laughs> In my uh, posthumously famous yeah, yeah. Yeah. Another freaking hilarious story from a photographer who's just trying to get the shot. It's hard to not do crazy things to get the shot. And that's a great example of from Gavin Hardcastle. If you guys want to follow Gavin, he also has an amazing YouTube channel. His channel is Photo Tripper. That's F-O-T-O, Photo Tripper. As well as his website's Photo Tripper. You can go to phototripper.com to see more from Gavin Hardcastle. To come away from extremely hilarious stories, let's go into an amazing inspirational story of how you go out in certain situations and you don't know what you're going to necessarily get, but you can see the potential. And then to come home with something that is one of your favorite shots and one of your huge portfolio favorites with people who are following you. And this one, Enrico says, really put him on the map. So now let's hear a story from Enrico Fossati, the Italian landscape photographer whom I love. Oh, yes. I have a story about uh, one of my most popular shots. And okay. the, the shot is Station to Rivendell. Uh, the, the, the title is is inspired to a painting of John O. Uh, he's a painter. Uh, he's, um, he's from Switzerland. And... Uh, I think he's a Canadian guy who lives in Switzerland, or I don't know exactly uh, okay. his origin. But uh, well, I, I love his art um, because he was one of the um, the painters uh, of the all the visual material about Lord of the Rings of the movies. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Is is hard? It worth to be to be watched. Only for understanding composition and colors, I, I study a lot of artists for only for this reason because I love to understand their choices about the depth and the colors and the shading, the transition between the subjects. I think is is truly yeah important yeah and. Um, well, um, when I saw that place in the French Alps uh, for the first time, I fell in love with it because uh, that place is is similar to, to Rivendell. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the popular description of the Lord of the Rings because it is a glacial valley that is a narrow glacial valley with very high and steep um, cliffs around it. And you have a lot of waterfalls coming down from the top, from the glaciers. So when you are in the area during the summer, the early summer, maybe June or, or May, you, you, you have a lot of small waterfalls coming down and the feeling is almost the same. 
So uh, when I when I I spotted that place the first time on the web, I told myself, okay, I have to go there. <laughs> I have to shoot Ruindal right now. <laughs> and I, I I went and the first time in that place and. Um, the first night when we walk it on the top of this valley that is is not a demanding hike it's just two hours from the parking but it's almost flat it's just long and uh, when i'm right on top uh, a, a huge thunderstorm uh, is appeared in, on the opposite side of the valley and uh, at the bottom where I, where it was the valley is uh, is blind. You 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 can't leave from that place because you have just a vertical high uh, mountains behind your shoulders, and the only yeah. way to go out is going straight in, in front of the storm. So, <laughs> oh, and you risked it. Yeah. You decided to go right into it. No, no, no. I I waited. So, <laughs> oh, you because waited. yeah, I've waited the storm because uh, going down. Was I think was more dangerous because it uh, was possible to hear the, the thunderstorm falling down the um, the cracks. Uh, what's the name? Thunders, thunders. Lightning. Yeah, oh, lightning thunders. and thunders, thunder cracks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, and uh, I was a bit worried about that. So um, I discovered about uh, at the bottom of this valley there was a cave, a huge cave, and. And I think to my, I think that was safe for me going inside the cave, because when I when I saw with my eyes that the lightings uh, falling down at few meters from me, <laughs> well, I started to to have fear because uh, I I was uh, holding my tripod was in carbon fiber and uh, the lightings are uh, very dangerous in the mountains, especially oh, during. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I fled inside the cave and the, the roof was enough, uh, was high, was not uh, closed because um, you have to avoid the, um, the narrow caves during the thunderstorm because you can, you can, um, <sighs> si posso usare tuo papà? <laughs> sì. Eh, quando sei all'interno di una grotta molto piccola durante un temporale è pericoloso perché se cade un fulmine sopra la montagna he was worried about the with he was in a like a slot canyon oh, more of a more than a cave flash and flood the flash issues. flooding and mm-hmm. uh, lightning striking the area could cause things to fall on him because he's got no place to really protect himself so what did you end up doing where did you end up finding shelter well i i find the shelter in, inside this big cave and uh walking outside the cave i've started to to watch the scene in, with uh, with different eyes because I I I, I was um, I I feeling myself a little more safe and uh, I said wow it's fantastic look at the clouds <laughs> and then I tripod and I started to shoot and uh, that day was one of the first sexual shot uh, of my career that uh, I I was pretty popular thanks to that picture and I and oh. I all yeah if I could see the situation before the image I know how cool the image looks that Rivendell image that he has the way that he's in the cave you can see the outcropping going the top of the frame and you look out into this valley that has high mountains really narrow too just it's beautiful 
But to have been there, to been there, and to have been there in person would have been tremendous. I can't wait to get out to the Dolomiti. So Enrico, we love you. Thank you so much for joining us on Patreon. If you're actually listening to this right now, you can find Enrico Fossati's work over at his website. It's not a .com; it's a .it. If you Google him, Enrico Fossati, you'll have no trouble. F O S S A T I. But if you go to EnricoFossati.it for Italia, .it Italy, you will be able to find his work his awesome portfolio and follow the moody atmospheric photographer Enrico Fossati. We're going to stay in the mountains a little bit with our next story. We're going to hear from Matt Payne. You guys already know him probably from F-Stop Collaborate and Listen, his podcast. He's got a fantastic story of doing mountaineering into his work. We really, really admire people who go the extra mile to get their image. And this is hiking many extra miles to get the image. And so here's a great inspirational story and just... A warning. Let's just say a warning to you guys trying to do this without being prepared. Not because of what happened to Matt, but what happened to the people around Matt in this situation. So here it is, Matt Payne. Enjoy. We're hiking up the trail, um, and it's, uh, it's like four in the morning. We're hiking up the trail, and this headlamp comes running down the trail from above, like in a huge rush. <laughs> And oh, basically wow. what happened, it was this, this young kid, this young teenager, I think he was like 16 or 17. Oh, really? He, he was by himself um, and he's, he, he was surprisingly calm for the gravity of the situation he was in. Um, he was um, up there backpacking with his dad who was like in his 50s or 60s. Oh, no. And they, they were from Florida at sea level and they had not spent any time acclimating and we were at like 11,000 feet oh boy at that point oh boy and he was like so do you guys have cell service (laughs) we were like no dude like you have to drive all the way back down to aspen which is like i don't know it was probably like a 40 minute drive from where we were at oh boy not including like the two-hour hike down to the trailhead oh yikes um so we were like no we you don't have cell service up here he's we're like what's up and he's like, well, my dad um, is like really sick, um, way like three or four miles up the trail. And, we, you know, we were asking him questions. It's, his dad had like really, really, really bad altitude sickness. You know, he was like vomiting and like he just terrible condition. Yikes. Couldn't move. And we were like, okay, well, you need to go back up to him and be with him and help him down. He has to get down as fast as he can get down. Ooh. So he was like, really? Like, why? why? And we're like, oh, my God, you're so unprepared <laughs> to be up here. What are you doing? Coming from Florida and doing that, that's nuts. So we basically had to talk this kid through, like, you know, why you should acclimate and, like, you should drink water. And do you have do you have food? Like, we give him some of our food. And, like, <sighs> um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was insane. So, like, he went all the way back up, helped his dad down. My friend and I climbed our mountain and came all the way back down to the trail like several hours later um and 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 then we ran into him and his dad who were just then just coming down with the help of a part with a a national forest ranger oh a forest Um, ranger and then yeah and then um they had to uh flight for life him out so they had a helicopter fly in right next to our campsite (laughs) um at the at crater lake it's a not the famous Crater Lake, but it, there's a lake up there called Crater Lake. Oh, it's just also called Crater Lake. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they f- flight for life Tim out of there. And then like an hour later, another helicopter came and got his son. It was 
It was crazy. Oh, the sun couldn't fit in the first helicopter, and they have to pay for two helicopter flights. Right. Oh, so insurance. So is it gets better. That. So it gets better. Oh. So then, literally, the next day, my friend and I, um, my friend climbs North Maroon Peak, which is a fourteen thousand foot mountain in that valley. It's one of the Maroon Bells. Um, I'd already done it before, so I was like, oh, "I'll just stay down here." He climbs it, comes back down. Everything's fine. Um, I saw the weather conditions changing and I thought, man, there's going to be like fresh snow on the tops of Thunder Pyramid and Pyramid. There's going to be really great. I just had this vision of this great photo um, (laughs) of like, but I knew the only way I could get it was to like basically climb all the way up halfway up North Maroon Peak to get the shot. So I convinced my friend to go all the way back halfway up North Maroon Peak with me uh, uh, before sunset in like raining conditions, really cold, nasty wind. Silas, are you sure you still want to be his friend? Oh my yeah. god. Silas <laughs> is Silas is amazing. <laughs> so then we get up there and there was and it's like six o'clock at night and there's no other people up there. And we're probably at twelve thousand eight hundred feet. And this guy comes limping down the mountain um oh. by himself and he had basically broken his ankle climbing North Maroon Peak. Ay, ay, ay. Didn't have any water, didn't have any first aid kit. He was wearing, like, didn't have warm clothes. Like, Seriously. He was going to basically spend the night up there if he didn't get help. Spend the rest of his life up there. Long story short, we, like, fixed him up, provided him first aid, provided him food and water, um, and then, like, helped him, like, get down the mountain. Wow. Which, like, so basically... Twice in one in two days, we helped like rescue people off of the mountain. It was insane. Uh, did he get a helicopter too? You know, it was kind of weird. Um, so we actually ended up staying up there a little bit longer, and then we we thought we'd run into him on our way down, and we never saw him again. Oh, so the bears got him. Yeah, we don't know exactly what happened to him, but I assume um, he's okay. Yeah, it was just a crazy weekend. Like, did you get your shot? Did you get that snow cake? I did. Okay, awesome. I did. It was like it, it, it unfolded exactly as I <laughs> as I predicted it would, and it was amazing. Seriously, hours and hours because you don't have cell signal, you don't have any way down, and you have a broken foot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the people in the story you feel are moronic, but we've all been there where we think, no, 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 I got this. It's not so much being a moron as it is overestimating your capabilities, the underestimating the challenge ahead of you, as well as just thinking that you could win in nature. I go out in locations all the time alone, and all it takes is one serious broken foot for it to be a dangerous situation. That's how close I am to it, even though I don't consider myself an idiot, but I would be in that situation. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But he got the shot. Matt Payne got the light. He saw what was happening. It's really inspiring to be a mountaineer and a photographer, carrying all that gear, hiking all that far, because when you get skunked, Oh my gosh, you really feel it when you get skunked out there. Yikes, but Matt Payne, he's awesome. Listen to his podcast, F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen. You can find it on any podcatcher that you use. Just search it, F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen, as well as on his website at mattpainphotography.com. Go to that, Google it, you'll find it without any issue. 
So coming out of the mountains, we've had a great inspirational stories. Now we're back to crazy and funny. This is the finale. This is long. Bear with this because it is worth it. We've already said it. Mongolia with ponies. And I'm talking four foot tall ponies. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to say anymore. Here's Joshua Cripps. One of my favorite stories is actually from before I was ever a photographer. Okay. Oh, cool. And it's part of the journey that uh, that led me into becoming a photographer. And really? this took place after college. Yeah, I was. Uh, so I studied it. Uh, I'll, get, I'll go through the, the context as quickly as I can. Okay. Uh, so I studied engineering in college and got really burned out on it. Mm. So after I graduated, I decided to go on a around the world trip because I'd never really done any traveling. Sounds awesome. And, uh, you know, long story short, I ended up in Mongolia. Nice. That's and, a long story short. I ended up in Mongolia. Next I left sentence. Yeah. Mongolia. <laughs> wow. Step one, started traveling, dot, 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 then Mongolia. <laughs> I was in Ulaanbaatar as we all get there. You know you've been there before, guys. You know what happens. It's just all, lo- all roads lead to Ulaanbaatar. Yada, 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 Mongolia. Exactly. I mean, I don't even need to explain it because you know exactly how I got there. <laughs> Needless to say, the end. <laughs> and my arm was cut off. But that's not yeah. part of the story. <laughs> that was not part of the story. So, uh, so anyway, I was actually on my way to Europe by train. You went the wrong and, way. <laughs> yeah, longest possible way around. So I was on this great train journey. I had, I was about halfway. I'd started in uh, Hanoi, Vietnam, wow. and I made it to Beijing. And then I was going from Beijing to Eastern Europe, totally by train. That's and awesome. Yeah, it ended up being the total trip was something like thirteen thousand kilometers by train, <laughs> which was really, really fun. And it was so cheap to travel. Um, but that's sort of incidental to the story. The, the thing is, I, yeah. I ended up in Mongolia uh, because I had heard it's one of the only places you could get a Russian visa. Oh, and, from hmm. someone in a bar or legitimately? <laughs> yeah, kind of, sort of. Because when I went to the, uh, when I went to the, the Russian embassy in Beijing, this like incredibly incredibly beautiful red-headed Russian woman told me, awesome. no, can, can only get Russian visa from home country, must travel back to United States, get oh. visa, then you can go to Russia. Mm. And I had that heard a little fun. travel rumor, no, mm. you can actually get one in Mongolia. <laughs> so I, yeah, I jumped on the train, went to Mongolia, and I ended up at this travel agency, and the woman working there said, well, yeah, I have a friend who works in the embassy here, I have a and you know, if we if we organize everything that you need for the visa, and uh, he's working the day that I bring the stuff there, and he's in a good mood, <laughs> you know, that maybe just maybe you can end up with a Russian visa. So she goes, here are all the things uh, that you need in order to get a Russian visa. One, you need an invitation into the country. Oh, well, thankfully we can provide you with that for the low price of. Twenty dollars. Okay. Here's an invitation. Then, the redhead said you can come. <laughs> yeah. The second thing you need is Russian state-approved health insurance, and fortunately, we sell that upstairs. <laughs> this is really sounding like someone's backyard, like garage. They're selling stuff out of. Oh man, this is this is the most hilarious visa getting experience. So, so you need that. You need to have uh, an itinerary for when you're in the country that the, the hotels you stay at will stamp this itinerary off to show that you've actually stayed there. Oh, okay. And she said, you know, don't worry about that too much. As long as you have an itinerary, 
you can fake it when you actually get into Russia, but we'll write an itinerary for you, no problem. Then you also need a train ticket or a plane ticket or a bus ticket or whatever you got. You got to have a train ticket into the country and you have to have a train ticket out of the country. Uh, and she said, so you go down to the train station and they can help you out. So I, I took a taxi over there and somehow, wonder of all wonders, there was one Mongolian woman in the train station who spoke perfect English. Oh, wow. And I, yeah, I explained the whole situation to her and obviously she'd been through this rigmarole before and she goes, <laughs> well, we can sell you a, a train ticket from this train station, but we can't sell you a train ticket. You know, if you want to leave Russia into Europe, we don't own or operate trains on those lines. You know, those are 5,000 kilometers away. So <laughs> we can't sell you a ticket there, but for a small fee, of course, we can write you a receipt that makes it look like you have a train ticket <laughs> out of the country. Wow, this is getting so, shadier and shadier. <laughs> so, so, okay, you basically want, you know, a, a payoff to write me this receipt. And I think, I think the amount that she quoted me once you convert it to the U.S. Uh, was something like 75 cents. <laughs> Which, You're like, I, oh, gee, I don't know. That's, a, that's, a, that's quite a fee. You yeah, got let me quite think. a deal. <laughs> like, can you, can you give me that in Vietnamese dong? How many dong is that? <laughs> 70 million dong. And so, so did any point did you get knocked out, put a bag over your head, and you had to go to the next place without knowing the location? <laughs> oh, thankfully, that, that part was all above board. And here's the best bit. She goes, she goes where do you think that you're going to leave Russia from, and where do you think you're going to go? So, well, I'll probably leave from St. Petersburg, and I don't really know where I'm going to go, but Latvia is the next nearest country, so I'll probably go to Latvia. So she writes on the receipt, you know, you know, like plane tickets, train tickets, they all say going from this city in this country to this city in mm -hmm. this other country. Right. And this, this train ticket just said from St. Petersburg to Latvia, the end. <laughs> just this yeah. city, he'll enter somewhere in Latvia. Yeah. Well, I hope this works. So anyway, I take all this stuff back to the, uh, the, the travel agency. And then, of course, you have to pay the visa fee, which I think at the time was 180 bucks. Mm. So I take all this Finally stuff back. Expensive. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was pretty pricey. Um, and she goes, okay, great. You know, I'm going to take this to my friend. Hopefully, it's all going to work out. Come back in 14 days, and we'll see. Come back in 14 days? <laughs> Welcome so to Mongolia. <laughs> You'll be Welcome here for Mongolia. a while. <laughs> yeah, like, what am I going to do in the next 14 days? So... Uh, on the train in from Beijing to Ulaanbaatar, I'd met a couple of Israeli guys, and we decided, hey, let's put together a horse trek through the Mongolian countryside. Are you serious? That and there are two amazing. ways you could do this. Yeah, there are two ways you could do this. You could pay an outfitter about 60 bucks a day to manage the whole thing for you, mm -hmm. or you could try to organize it yourself. And we calculated that it would cost us about $11 a day to do it that way. Wow. So being... Being a bunch of broke 23-year-olds, of course, that, well, let's go let, with that one. Let's go that way. <laughs> we, uh, we, we ended up wrangling eight people total for this trip. Nice. And <laughs> we, we got a taxi to this big market so that everybody could buy clothing and, and supplies. And we sent a couple people off to buy food. And we ended up with these two huge gunny sacks, one that was full of things like pasta and rice and one that was full of things like Snickers and Jolly Ranchers. Why am I, why is City Slickers coming to my mind right now? I don't I don't know why that Because he doesn't belong in a horse. He's had to go there for eleven days in the middle of a Mongolian wilderness that he knows obviously really, really poorly. This is awesome. <laughs> so 
So it's uh, we are in the capital. <laughs> he does have Jolly Ranchers, though. Don't forget. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You have Jolly Ranchers. He can bribe okay. anybody. Um, it's currency. And it's 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 sweltering in the capital city. You know, it's mm. in the mid nineties every day, and so we didn't even bother to check the weather out where we were going. We basically jumped in this van that the guy from the hostel helped us organize. He drove us eight hours to this little tiny town called Uyanga and said, "Welp, see you later." <laughs> in Mongolia because we couldn't talk to the guy. Uh, here you so go. So we hop it. out, the eight of us idiots, in this tiny little town <laughs> in Mongolia. And we go, let's, uh, let's find a house that has a lot of horses. <laughs> we walk up to the, this, little, this little farm. Uh, is, you know, it's a family. It's a mom, a dad, uh, three brothers, and one younger sister. And they've got tons and tons of these Mongolian ponies and yaks and stuff roaming around their yard. And so then through a process of sign language, <laughs> pointing at maps and, and trying to explain where we wanted to go and what we wanted to do, we rented, we rented I think it was 11 ponies. Uh, ponies eight, are small, right? You ride a pony? Tiny, they're tiny. These things are, they're like... I don't know how many hands it is, but they got to be three and a half feet tall at the shoulders. <laughs> they're, you're they're walking idiots. faster than them. Oh, but they have, they have an, walk with they, it. Oh my gosh, they have an attitude that is insane. <laughs> it's only about half halfway domesticated. So, <laughs> so we rent so <laughs> we rent eleven of these ponies, uh, and we also hire the three brothers as our guides. Nice. And, and our goal, we had read, okay, a Mongolian pony can travel 20 to 30 miles every single day, every single day, just day in, day out. Or they can go up to 100 miles in one day, but then they have to rest for a couple days. And so we wanted to go from this town, Uyanga, to this other town called Setzerleg, where we could take a train back. And they were about 150 miles apart. Mm. So we thought, okay, this is easily doable in a week, no problem. Well, no, none of us had ever really factored in uh, the, the, into the equation that nobody knew how to ride a horse. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, you pull so, it back. I mean, well, you get easy. on and it's you know, all the time on TV, right? <laughs> so we jumped on the back and yelled, giddy up, and they don't do anything. <laughs> you got to speak Mongolian. Speak Mongolian, and you have to say choo choo as you kind of <laughs> kick the horse in the haunches. <laughs> yes. But they, they did not listen to us at all. And so the first day, I think we made it four miles on the first day. <laughs> You can still see the house. <laughs> <laughs> and then it started raining. And on the second day, we're like, okay, I think we got the hang of this. And we made it seven miles oh in, in the pouring rain. And nobody had brought any waterproof clothing because it was 95 degrees. Oh yeah, the second day, we made it seven miles. And I think the third day, we made it like another eight miles before a hailstorm turned us oh. back. And we ended up sheltering. We found this this family out in the countryside and they let us shelter in their yurt for a couple of hours <laughs> shaking their head the whole time what oh yeah absolutely. this white person <laughs> just like idiots. so then the finally the, the uh the so at the end of the the second day we um we looked at our food rations and went hey i guess we probably should have thought about how many or how many meals eight people will eat in seven days oh my gosh, because it's a lot of food we don't have anywhere near enough food to make it seven days. <laughs> so, starting on the, the third day, we started rationing the food. So we basically would have 
a couple of cookies or a Snickers bar for breakfast, no lunch, and then at dinner we would eat a bowl of rice or a bowl of macaroni with some cheese powder on it. <laughs> How much hiking did you have to do with the horse that was resistant that you had to pull behind you? That's actually a perfect question because the next day, the next day was Saturday and none of the Israelis were willing to ride. You know, because they're not Sore. allowed to do not allowed to do work on Saturdays. Oh, I can't, see Sabbath and I stuff. get all the rules like you can't ride in a car, you can't do work, you can't can't do a lot of stuff. And so that day we basically just walked another seven miles pulling our horses along. <laughs> so at this point, yeah, <laughs> we're four days. We're four days into a seven day trip and we've made it about twenty five of the hundred and fifty oh miles. My gosh. <laughs> So we en- we ended up at that day. It was actually a beautiful, sunny, warm day. It was so nice. We ended up at a lake, and there there was another group with a translator, a French group. They had a Mongolian translator, and so we finally were able to speak to our three guides. Whoa! You the haven't trans- been speaking to them. You just kind of yeah. sign language still. Sign language, you know. When we told them, <laughs> we told them, you know, we told them we want to go to. We would point to the map, Setzer Leg, and we would put, hold up our hands and point out. You know, hold up seven fingers to indicate seven nights, and my I'm going to sleep seven times. <laughs> In a lot oh, of Asian countries, yeah. a lot of Asian cultures, I don't want to generalize too much, but it's rude to say no, right? They want to agree with you, uh, and so they they agreed with us, even though they had no idea what we were saying. Oh my gosh! And so finally, we through this translator, we were able to talk to them, wow. and when they found out what we actually wanted to do, they flipped. Out. <laughs> They're all wide-eyed. What the blinky blink in Mongolian? Yeah. Are you out of your <laughs> freaking mind? <laughs> you know, this lake that we were at was the farthest any of them had ever been from home. Oh my gosh! Wow. So they what the heck have we gotten ourselves into? And so at, at this point, the fact that our guides don't want to go any farther, they don't know where we even wanted to go in the first place. We <laughs> are rationing our food. Like uh, I think. I think I stopped, not to get too graphic, but I stopped pooping on the fourth day and had no nothing for the rest of the entire trip. Uh, so we decided, you know, maybe it's smarter just to turn around mm. and go back where we, we came from. So we decided to do that. We, we head our way back. It's Now it's really cruisy because we only have to go seven, eight miles a day on these ponies and half the time we're just pulling them along. Uh, <laughs> in terms of this great adventure, we keep running across these nomadic herdsmen who would bring us these steaming hot bowls of uh, of yak's milk or fermented mare's milk. Um, oh, that'll help you take care of number two. Yeah, so <laughs> the funny part about that is we were, we, were, we were all freezing cold all the time because it was 50 degrees and raining and we didn't have any warm Oh my gosh. So oh, we'd, get to the end of the, we'd get to the end of the day and all of us would huddle inside the tent while one guy who had thought to bring a waterproof jacket would be out cooking dinner for us. So I was climbing out of the tent at one point, and I knocked over the little carafe of hot yak milk, oh. and it and it spilled into my shoes, and oh. spilled into my wet shoes. And so then, over the course of about the next week or so, I had yak milk curdling, fermenting, sour in my wet sneakers, and it was the worst thing I've ever smelled in my entire life. In fact. Uh, later, later on in the train trip, as I was on my way through Russia, uh, a guy who was sharing my train compartment grabbed a plastic bag, held it out to me, 
pointed to my shoes, pinched his nose, and said the only word I think he knew in English, which was, sorry. And he's like, you got to put those shoes in this bag. <laughs> it felt so terrible. Passing oh us out sorry. of the train compartment here. Uh, so anyway, we uh, we finally we finally after seven days we make it back to the town of Uyanga, and and none of us have had enough to eat. In fact, it turns out that I lost twelve pounds that week. <laughs> how cold it was, and how little we were eating. So, and, and our plans are totally shot because we thought we we're going to be able to take a train from the one town back. Right. We're back in the town where we started at. There's no public transportation whatsoever. So we're waiting around this general store. We're trying to figure out, is there a bus that comes through? We're drawing maps. We're trying to spell everything out. You know, and by general store, I mean a, a place that sold literally three things, potatoes, onions, and cookies. <laughs> <laughs> the cookies came from somewhere. Someone <laughs> delivers them. <laughs> yeah. So while we're sitting there like trying to, trying to figure out how we're going to get back to the capital city, this husband and wife pull up in this old Soviet van, <laughs> and we stop them. And we go, we, we, we draw a map and we say, can you take us, you know, we're here. Can you take us to Ulaanbaatar? And we fan out. I think we gave him 120 bucks in cash, U.S. currency, which is, it was something like four months of typical salary. Whoa. Wow. They awesome. probably just like wide eyed, like, Whoa. I'd pay it. <laughs> yeah. So can you, I, I, I've gone through this scenario in my mind so many times back in the U.S., <laughs> If a, if a foreigner walked up to me and gave me four months' salary to drive <laughs> them to a city eight hours away, <laughs> would I do it? Yeah, dude, or, I would. Like, here's here's, here's $15,000. Please take me to – I'm like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, get, get in. Get in. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd be wondering, like, what's in their bag? Do they have a dead body? Are they drugs? <laughs> Am I like, going to get this money? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like – Luckily, in our case, we were just eight obviously dopey tourists who need. <laughs> oh my god! All in your twenties, everyone just. Oh yeah, all in our our early twenties. <laughs> uh, so uh. Drove us back. And along the way, we stopped at this uh, this roadside diner, and the only thing that I could read on the menu because I basically sort of tr learned to transcribe the they use the Cyrillic text, mm. um, which is it's you know you can translate the letters pretty easily and so you can sound sound stuff out and the only thing i could read on the menu was goulash <laughs> and okay you know what that is bring me goulash and so they brought out eight plates of sheep goulash for everybody and it was genuine genuinely one of the best meals i've ever eaten in my entire <laughs> week not eating anything so eventually make it back to the capital city and i go to the uh the tourism agency and sure enough i got my russian visa and onward i go <laughs> wow that that experience, it was so, you know, you could tell it's burned so strongly into my memory. And what frustrated me at the time was the photos that I have from it, they suck. You know, mm. they're, they don't convey the story of uh, what happened. And so that was one of the first moments that I really thought about how can I be a better storyteller and how can I better show the people that I care about what's happening to me in a meaningful way. And that really got me thinking about photography. Hmm. <laughs> wow. I was really, really curious how the heck <laughs> this was some sort of origin story of your photography career. And I thought this instead was a story of your twin brother who passed away in Mongolia. But no, this is actually you survived. Holy cow. <laughs> the story of the Yaks Milk Sneakers. 
by <laughs> Joshua Cripps. <laughs> you know, surprisingly, it's not a bestseller. I think that title is uh, <laughs> a few people off. <laughs> oh, my gads. You know, I was waiting for the Jolly Ranchers to come into play somewhere as a currency. But no, it didn't work out. You guys had that Jolly Rancher uh, ration later on in the week, or you finish it all in the first few days? You know what? I, the thing for me was the chocolate. Uh, I didn't get into the Jolly Ranchers that much, but I do remember one night very specifically being so cold and so frustrated that I crawled into my sleeping bag with a Mars bar, and I just sat there eating this Mars bar as I fell asleep halfway, just, you know, like nibbling on this thing, the chocolate dripping down my chin and being, you know, so happy and brushing my teeth with a Mars bar. And that's the way I ended the day. <laughs> oh, man. Are you going to see Royce Baird this year? Are you coming with us to the Nightscaper Conference in, in Moab? May? Oh, oh be man. So awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you are going to be out there and you don't have a home for the night of the third and you want to go out with a fun group and doing Milky Way photography, mm-hmm. join Brendan and I. On the third, we are going out to the um, island in the sky up there in Canyonlands yeah, yeah. to look over a huge open space and take panorama Milky Way. Mm-hmm. Early season May panorama is fantastic. And that viewpoint is amazing. It is. And so we're going to see the sunset there and everything and enjoy hours hanging out on that night. Mm. Come out there with us. It's $250 a night. So we have two slots available left before that's sold out. Ooh, Hope it's one of you guys. Good get hot. They're getting hot. They're going to go fast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast, guys. So I hope you enjoyed those stories and those inspirational stories and some of those crazy, hilarious <laughs> situations these guys got themselves Can into. Can you believe freaking Joshua Cripps? Now, I know we all have done stupid things as photographers <laughs> but it's just so funny to see that we're not the only ones that do stupid things or just have you know crazy things happen to us so um thanks guys for sharing those moments with us it's been classic awesome fun and uh yeah to be 20 years old and think it's a good idea to take <laughs> ponies across the mongolian desert and then to find guys who own ponies and just happen to live oh in this town gosh, like I hey know. they know the that area so crazy isn't that freaking hilarious that they got yeah. the guys took them out there and when they finally got a translator and they found out wait where are we going we haven't even come this goes, far yeah those guys freaked out after it's just <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Oh, friggin' amazing stories. Lost in translation is awesome. <laughs> so, guys, we hope you enjoyed these highlight reels of enjoying these funny stories and inspirational stories from insp- from inspirational guys who've gone out and worked hard, like Enrico Fossati mm-hmm. or Matt Payne going out and hiking crazy high hills and mountains and going through 100 peaks and summits, mm-hmm. 100 summits in all of Colorado. It's just... These yeah. guys are people we want to aspire to be like, get out and do photography, and this the overarching theme is that you guys got to get out there and have an adventure of your own. Right. You that's go. where the fun is. That's where the that's where life is, right? <laughs> so whether you get an amazing shot that's like one of your portfolio pieces that <sighs> yeah. turns you into a famous overnight like Enrico, Enrico Fossati's image over there mm. from Rivendell that he calls it or just the fact that you almost got killed by a car hanging out on the road trying to capture a cool shot over in that Irish area. It's never happened before. <laughs> Irish Ireland area. <laughs> <laughs> never happened, never will. No, it'll happen for all of us. Yep. Just it's a funny story. Build your funny stories. Get out there with your camera. The year is just beginning. Make your next funny story and then tell us about it. And if you have Absolutely. a really funny story, we can feature you on the podcast. Oh, yeah. So thanks again, guys. If you enjoy this content and you thought, man, those interviews were fantastic. The mm-hmm. only reason why Brendan and I were a- even able to add an extra episode every week was due to the awesomeness of those patrons. Yes. Thank you, patrons. You make it all possible. 
So don't thank us. Thank them. They're the reasons why we can do this. We really appreciate you guys. Love you. Hope more of you, more of you will jump in and join us on Patreon, support Photog Adventures, and get more content from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So have a good week. We'll see you guys next Wednesday. And if you jump in as patrons, we'll see you on Monday. Okay, have a good week, guys. Bye, guys.